Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. You know, a popular kind of message in these end times is just to talk about how God can make your life easier and solve all your problems. And it's easy to draw a crowd if, if God is kind of that uh, Santa Claus in the sky that can just, you know, give you what you want. But the problem is, that's not the full message of Scripture. Uh, there's another side to the message of the Bible. And there are messengers that deliver that other side that makes people uncomfortable. And that side is the side that tells us about our sin. And it tells us what we need to do in response to our sinfulness. And many people don't want to hear that kind of message. And yet in the greatest story ever told that we're looking at this Christmas season, there is a character in that story, a real flesh and blood human being that delivered exactly that kind of message. And it made people uncomfortable. We know him as John the Baptist. And he brought a message of repentance. And he called people to turn from their sin and to be baptized as a testimony to their repentance. And he told them that there was one coming who would call them to God. His message was basically this. You are guilty of sin. You have a problem. But the solution is on his way. That was the message that God gave him to deliver, and he did so. Uh, somebody said this about John the Baptist. I like it. They said, John came to clear the way, prepare the way, and get out of the way. And if you think about it, that's really what happened. Uh, John burst upon the scene, and little more than a year later, he was gone. And if you remember, he was beheaded. And so when we think of, of John the Baptist, do we think of him as a sad character in the greatest story ever told? No, not at all. He was called by God to deliver a message. He delivered it faithfully. God used him in incredible ways, and then he was martyred for his faith. And I have no doubt when he stepped into the streets of glory, there was a hero's welcome awaiting him. So John the Baptist was one of the most unusual characters in this greatest story ever told. And he's connected to another very different character uh, in a way that we'll look at this morning. Last week we talked about Mary. And we saw the scene where the angel visited uh, Mary and, and delivered a, a most unexpected Message. And if you think of these two characters in this story, Mary and John the Baptist, they couldn't be more different. Mary was this quiet, unassuming, pure-hearted young woman who was willing to do whatever God asked her to do. John the Baptist, on the other hand, was this rough, lived in the wilderness, war clothes made of camel skin, shouted this loud, uh, very confrontational message. I mean, he, he could not be more different than Mary in those ways, and yet they were alike in a very important way. 
God called both of them to a specific role, and both of them responded in faith and obedience. And that principle is something that I hope we will see as we work through Mary's story and then connect it to the story of John the Baptist. Here's, here's our summary sentence for the sermon today, our big idea. Nothing is greater in life than to know who you are and what God wants you to do. That's not just true for the characters in our story. It's true for you too. There's nothing greater in life. There is no amount of wealth that you could assemble. Uh, There is no amount of extravagance in which you could live that could compare with knowing who you are and knowing what God wants you to do. And so you'll see that in these characters. So let's go back and take a look at at Mary first, and then we will connect her to John the Baptist and his family. We're going to start in in Luke's gospel, uh, chapter 1, verse 30. It's right in the middle of the angel's visit to Mary. So start with me, please. Luke 1, verse 30. The angel is speaking. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son. And now is in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The simple lesson for us to see here is that following Christ simply means discovering and submitting to his plan for our life. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are some of my life verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And that's not just a scripture verse to memorize. That's life for the Christ follower. In all our ways, acknowledge him. God has a plan for every one of his followers. And he will reveal it to us. Maybe not in as dramatic a fashion as an angelic visit, but sometimes he may may lead us in unexpected ways at unexpected times. But like Mary, the important thing is that we're listening and that we're willing to obey, whatever that might mean. Well, in our story, when the angel departs, Mary then goes to the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth was her cousin. 
Elizabeth was uh, very on in years. She was not in the, the childbearing years, and yet God worked a miracle. They had an angelic visit from Gabriel, just as Mary did. They also were told that there would be an unexpected pregnancy, and the one that Elizabeth would give birth to would have a specific role in this redemption drama of the ages. Pick up the narrative with me in Luke chapter 1, verse 56. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. No one expected that she'd ever be able to have a child, but she did in her old age. Verse 59, when the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. This was a part of the Jewish faith. This was something that every Jewish family did with their male children. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There's no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. Now let me explain that. When the angel visited Zechariah, Zechariah lost his ability to speak. He came out of the place of worship as he engaged family and friends there. He couldn't speak. And so all this time, he had been unable to speak. Continue with verse 63. He, meaning Zechariah, motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. And indeed it was. This unexpected child would play a key role in the coming of the Messiah. Luke 1 verse 80. John grew up and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. God had a plan for John. And God has a plan for you if you are a Christ follower. But here's the reality. God knows his plan for us before we're ever born, but he may only reveal it to us one step at a time. Now let's be honest. We would prefer he just lay it all out in sequence, wouldn't we? We'd like to just see what it is he has in mind and know how it's all going to work, and then we can just kind of sit back and rest in the understanding of how it's all going to unfold. Guess what? He doesn't usually work that way. He gives us one step at a time, and we take that step by faith. And then he gives us the next step, and that requires faith. And the next step requires faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. 
And that's exactly what he was doing with John. God's plan for John was to preach, to preach a message of repentance and to prepare the way for Jesus. See how it was expressed in Mark's gospel, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road. Some translations say clear the path for him. When John burst on the scene and he began to preach this message, repent of your sins, be baptized, the Messiah is coming. People wanted to elevate him to celebrity status. They wanted to put him on a, a pedestal. They wanted to make him a first century religious superstar. But John would have none of that. John made it clear, no, 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 it's not about me. Look at John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 19. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? They came, he came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you, they asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we were expecting? No. Well, then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. I love John. He understood his role, and he carried it out faithfully. Can I, can I just stop and say, that's what God expects of you? To find what your role is and carry it out faithfully. I can tell you that every pastor worries every Sunday morning if anybody's going to show up. Thanks for showing up today. We tend to want to put it on our, our shoulders and as if we had some power uh, to make people respond to the message. And it, it finally gets through to us that it's not about us. We're just supposed to be faithful. And God is the one who produces the results. I heard someone say one time, faithful witnessing is sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. And that's exactly right. John understood that. He was to deliver the message and then get out of the way and let God work. That's all he expects of you. Whatever it is God calls you to do with your life or on any given day, just be faithful and then get out of the way and let him work. All he wants us to do is just be faithful. Often we're tempted to want to make it about us. I mean, that's kind of the, the culture that we live in, to make it all about me. Everything's all about me, as if the universe revolves around us. John understood it wasn't about him. And we need to understand it's not about us. All he wants us to do is be faithful, to say, Lord, I don't have to be the center of attention. I don't have to get any credit. 
I don't have to have anything except your approval and then just do whatever he asks you to do. John had a role to play, and he played it faithfully. Go back with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, pick it up with verse 4. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. I'll return to that theme later. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the river Jordan. And then verse 6 gives us this description of a rather bizarre messenger. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. Hmm. Locusts and wild honey. I'd rather eat fruitcake than locusts and wild, wild, wild honey. You know, John is such an unusual character in the story. Last week, you, you may remember, I hope you do, our big idea was this about Mary. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things for him. And Mary seemed to be just an ordinary young woman. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things for him. But you know what? John the Baptist is proof that God sometimes uses strange and irregular people to do his work. And aren't we glad? Because some of us are pretty strange and irregular. And yet God can use us. We don't have to be anything special. Verse 7, John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 3, Jesus began to do exactly that. Jesus began his earthly ministry, and as Jesus began his earthly ministry, and more and more people began to ex be exposed to, to Jesus, John's life, his ministry began to change rapidly. And this upset his followers, his disciples, the one, ones who had been closest to John the Baptist. And, and so they come to John and they complain. Look at verse 26 of John 3. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. You know what they were saying? Hey, John, we got to do something here. We're losing the crowd. John, what can we do to get the people to come back? And John responds to them, hey, guys, it wasn't ever about me to begin with. Let me try to help you understand who this is really about and why this matters. It's about him. It's not about me. Verse 27, John replied, this is, this is so profound, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. And then he uses the analogy of a wedding. 
It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. And then verse 30 is a landmark verse in the New Testament. He, meaning Jesus, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. John's philosophy must be ours as well. In our lives, Jesus must become greater and greater, and we need to become less and less. Verse 31, he has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. Do you see what John's assignment was? It was John's assignment to point others to Jesus. It was John's assignment to point others to Jesus. That's our assignment as well, to point others to Jesus. So let me wrap up the message by asking you three questions. Here's the first one. How will you make this Christmas season more about Jesus and less about you? John 3.30, John said, he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. This Christmas season, what will you do to make Jesus more and you less? Here's the second question. Will you use the celebration and songs of the Christmas season to talk to others about him this year? Let me tell you what I'm getting at. I love Christmas music, all Christmas music. Uh, there are two radio stations I usually listen to in the Christmas season. One is KSBJ. I know a lot of you listen to KSBJ. But the other is a secular station I listen to at Christmas time, 99.1. Just a, a secular station, all Christmas music. And here's my point. On both of those stations, there's music about Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Winter Wonderland and all, you know, all those things that are a part of the, the Christmas image and there's not a thing wrong with that. I'm not a Scrooge. I love all of that. But there are also, even on a secular radio station like 99.1, some songs that deliver a message that the public only hears at Christmas time. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power, or we had gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. And my point is this, you can leverage the, the gospel message that's floating around in the songs of the season to have conversations with somebody about Jesus. Will you look for those opportunities? Will you take advantage of it? If you have a business, will you play that kind of music in your place of business and just let the message of the gospel in the least offensive season of the year be heard by those who need to know Jesus? One last question. What will you do? 
What will you do to pass the real meaning of Christmas on to the younger generations of your family this year? And here's why I ask that question. Every year, Christmas becomes more commercialized and secularized. Would you agree with that? Uh, every year, just a little bit more and a little bit more. And if we are not intentional as followers of Jesus Christ to make sure that our children and for some of us our grandchildren and many in our tradition service, their great-grandchildren, if we are not intentional about making the real meaning of Christmas known, if we're not careful in two or three generations, it's going to be all frosty and no Jesus. So what will you do this year? to make the real reason for Christmas known to those of the younger generations of your family. John's mission and message was clear. Is yours? John preached a message of repentance and as a testimony of your repentance and faith in God to be baptized. And in the New Testament era following the sacrifice of Christ, that very same message is still our message today. To call people of every generation to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. To step across that line of faith and to say without any apology and unashamedly, I am a Christ follower. And to walk a journey of faith to the end of their earthly life. I want you to see a video of three wonderful young people who have done that very same thing. They have stepped across the line of faith. They have said through baptism, unashamedly and without question, they are Christ followers. Listen to their testimony and witness their baptism. Um, I was around eight years old and I was in my room and I was sitting on this little like thing that I had by the window and I heard a voice say come to me and I didn't really know what it was at the time and so I was just kind of like huh and then I heard it again and at that time I knew that it was God calling me and so right then and there I accepted Christ. I've just recently rededicated my life to Christ and so I wanted to reshow that through baptism. Hi, I'm Maddie Stinson, and I'm a Christ follower. Hey guys, we're out here at Mill Creek again. Uh, water is more frigid than last week, because now it's November 7th, but I'm wearing waders, and so I don't feel it, Maddie does. Uh, me and Maddie had a conversation last week that was very encouraging for me. She grew up in our youth ministry, she was baptized at a young age, but uh, felt that she had distanced herself from the Lord for a time, and that she's recently come back to the Lord and felt his calling on her life, and she wanted to rededicate her life, and so we talked through baptism. Uh, she felt genuinely convicted to be baptized again uh, because this time she felt like it was more intimate and she felt like this would be the ultimate intimate moment with the Lord and so uh, we're here to baptize Maddie and so we're gonna we're gonna jump on that so Maddie because you've chosen to follow Jesus Christ I baptize you my sister in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit
Uh, did we lose the other two on the video? Oh, I wanted them to see that. Can we pull that up? To get closer with him, is, uh, he was calling me, calling me for how, um, how to get closer with him, and I was like hearing his name. Um, I realized that everybody sins, and I felt like he was calling me to like have a fresh start again. Hi, I'm Maddie Stinson, and I'm a Christ follower. Hi, my name is Danica, and I'm a Christ follower. Hi, my name is Abby, and I'm a Christ follower. Hey, guys, uh, we're here at Mill Creek again. I have two students wanting to get baptized and frigid water, and we love it. Yeah. Uh, but what we love more than <laughs> what we love more than frigid water is the fact that we're having uh, students consistently want to give their life to Christ, die to their old way of life, and follow Him in new life. And so with that, we baptize as a symbol of being buried with Christ in baptism and the old man dying off and being raised to new life with him. And so Danica, step forward for me. Since you've chosen to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Woo! This is Abby, and she as well has chosen to follow Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. So uh, baptism is that first step of obedience. And so Abby, because you've chosen to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, me and Maddie had a conversation last week that was very encouraging for me. She grew up in our youth ministry. She was baptized at a young age, but uh, felt that she had distanced herself from the Lord for a time and that she's recently come back to the Lord and felt his calling on her life and she wanted to rededicate her life and so we talked through baptism. Uh, she felt genuinely convicted to be baptized again uh, because this time she felt like it was more intimate and she felt like this would be the ultimate intimate moment with the Lord and so uh, we're here to baptize Maddie and so we're gonna we're gonna jump on that. So Maddie, because you've chosen to follow Jesus Christ, I baptize you my sister in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's great. We got to clap for Maddie twice. I, I love that. Uh, maybe, maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you know that you need to step across the line of faith, become a Christ follower for the first time, and be baptized as a testimony. Or maybe you've stepped across the line, but you've never been baptized biblically by immersion following your conversion. Uh, and we would invite you to do that. Uh, they, they were baptized in Mill Creek where our church was doing baptisms a hundred years ago. But we have a baptism right on, over there under the stage with nice warm water. Uh, and we would be happy to, to do either, either one. You're not saved by being baptized. You are saved by trusting in Christ as your Savior. By turning away from your old life of sin and turning to Christ for a new life of faith. But baptism gives testimony to that in obedience to Christ. We're going to conclude our service with a brief time of prayer. Uh, I'm going to pray in just a moment, and prayer partners are going to come to the front. And if you need to pray with them about anything going on in your life or a burden for someone else, they'll be there to pray with you. But if you need to, to take a step of faith, whether it's baptism or some other step in your faith journey, just come to one of these prayer partner couples and say to them, I need to take the next step. 
and they'll help you. These, these are our deacons and other church leaders and their wives, and they know how to do that. We've trained them to do that, and they will help you. So would you stand with me, please? I'll pray, and then if you'll remain for just a few moments, we'll have this brief time of prayer and invitation. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst, that there are people coming to faith in you. We pray that all of us would hear your voice and follow your direction in obedience, whatever that means. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. conclude our service with prayer and if you'd like to talk about your faith journey please stop by the hospitality room or if you're a guest today we'd welcome you to come by I'd love to give you a gift and meet you personally thank you our father for the sweet time of worship thank you for your spirit in our midst I pray for anyone who needs to take a step of faith I pray that you would give them the courage to make the greatest decision they could ever make God bless all of your people for being here today to worship you in spirit and in truth. God bless you, everyone. Have a wonderful Sunday.